going on, man? How you been? I've been busy as fuck. That's why yeah. I've, been, I've been bad about doing these things. But um, all right. What's been going on? Busy's good, right? Busy's good. Business is good. Shit's growing. Lifting Dead Army is growing. Doing that whole Excellent. thing. Uh, gym opened back up, so I have some clients back. Back at the gym. Don't know how long it's going to stay open. Don't know how long anything's going to stay open. We'll get. Yeah, to that no, later. Right. How's how's it going up there with the uh, with the reopenings and everything? Last time we talked, you guys had just reopened in your county. Right, and then cases spiked. Whether you know, I don't know. I I wasn't there to confirm that they spiked, but either you hear they spiked, and then everything kind of got halted we kind of got we kind of got stiff-armed a little bit by old governor wolf was just like hey slow the fuck down we're gonna instill some restrictions so now we're just a little bit more restricted but we're open and restaurants can't serve alcohol and you can't go to a bar which are two things i don't do anyway so fuck them the the alcohol thing is interesting to me we it it seems like putting the band-aid on a fucking bullet wound man we our gov our governor uh I'm trying to decide the words that I want to use because I know that these podcasts are preserved for all eternity. And so I really want to, I really want to make sure that when I call this person a fucking dunce cap with a famous last name, when I call this person a spent cartridge of a human being that I, that my meaning is, is, is being put out there for, for how I really feel. Um, This motherfucker has his name is Henry McMaster. Um, he's like he's refusing to do anything at all, and and the only thing that he's done recently was like two days ago he instituted an 11 p.m. Uh, alcohol restriction thing. So like bars have to stop serving alcohol at 11 p.m. Wow! Thank God, you know, because goddamn the uh, the whole thing about you know when you give COVID 19 alcohol. After 11 p.m., uh, it turns from the soft, fluffy mogwai into the big fucking evil gremlins, right? And right. so, thank God that uh, that Governor McMaster has stepped up. But for real, man, I can't even joke anymore. It's just really frustrating to watch the people that we put our faith in. Um, I mean, I haven't put my faith in this guy, but a lot of people just it, – it just seems like he's not doing anything at all. It's very frustrating. Well, man, I'm glad, I'm glad you dug deep and, and gave him your best right there. But I did. I, I tried to, you know. I tried yeah. to speak from the heart because it's important. Uh, yeah, even from – we're not doing too well, I don't think, at handling things. But, like, even people up here are saying, like, oh, shit's bad down there, down south, down in North Yeah, down south. Man, we had 2,200 new confirmed cases today. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's bad. And it just seems like – I. I I don't know, man. I, I'm trying to. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier, my friend Michael, and he was being super wise about everything, being like, "We, you know, the anger at this point, we got to find some way to direct it or or to try and channel it into something other than anger, because all, all it's doing is just boiling us alive. Because we, we you know, what can you do, dude? Totally. Um, except make your, you know, make your voice known uh in some sort of helpful way instead of what i'm doing right now which is just bitching about shit on a podcast um but hopefully you know eventually enough people will speak out and and demand some sort of action and and maybe the the people who are elected and who get paid to do these things uh will actually start giving a shit um how many people need to die in the meantime for that to matter i don't know but uh 
So yeah, it's been I, a fun couple of weeks down here in South Carolina. I do want to talk more about that, but I do. I think I want to hear what Rocco has to say on the matter. Yes. I feel like we can. Get, I want to hear what Rocco has to say too. I feel like we can get into that a lot. I feel bad that we lost that first podcast, but like I'm so looking forward to doing it again with him because I felt like I could have asked so much better questions because he's so like cool and smart and shit. Same, yeah, same you here, know? man. Rocco's got some deep insight. I feel like uh, I feel like the chips were stacked against us last time to try and suppress that incredible exchange that we had. They don't want people to hear that shit that we were talking about last That's time. That's true. You're right. So we got to do our best to, uh, to replicate it this time around. And I'm sure it's going to be awesome. You're right. And uh, I mean, it's important that we do this and this, you know, not to harken back on what we want to wait to talk about, but it's important that we do these fucking podcasts probably now more than ever, dude. So I totally appreciate you making it happen again. I appreciate and us you both brother. wearing tank tops and us both moving across countries and acting acting tough yes we did that we did how, how we was did that indeed. move for you uh it was it was good man uh, honestly as far as moves go from one place to another it was pretty uneventful um yeah we are doing like a staggered move so like we took a bunch of big shit up there this time uh got everything settled in the new apartment and uh then came back down here and my wife is going to be down here for a couple more weeks getting getting studied up for the bar exam and then she takes that at the end of the month gonna move the rest of the way up then uh, how about you how'd your move go it's good man moving moving is like it's intense yes. like in, in like every sense of the word but like yeah. i just it that i read something somewhere that it's like between like divorce and death like moving is number three for like the most stress it can cause a human being yeah, I mean, it upsets your entire balance, like, especially if you're like a homebody. And a lot of us have sort of been, you know, I mean, how could you not? To be yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people have been sort of forced to become homebodies during the quarantine and everything. So you get used to uh, having everything where you want it and sort of your own routine and everything gets sort of upended. It's crazy. But, you know, hopefully it's for the better. I took it as like a week long experience of uh, not having to go to the gym and making that my workout was just moving shit. Because like, if you move, as you know, probably you moved a lot for a week, motherfucker, yeah. you are tired, dude. That you is, are. It's like the hardest workout you've had like times five. I feel sleep like sleep like a baby. You hit all these fucking muscle groups that you just didn't even know were there doing that. Like the, the, the moving, picking up heavy shit and setting it back down. Like for some reason that shit is so hard to replicate when you're actually trying to, you know? Yeah. It has to be just kettlebells and like calisthenics and shit like that to challenge your core. Like in those weird ways, like picking up a couch and trying to fit it through a fucking window. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do that. Fortunately, we didn't have to do that this time around, but uh, we did oh, we stop did. at the IQ. We did. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was sick. We did it. That's a great feeling when it's done. Oh, yeah, because you get to sit down on it. It's true, for sure. And jam. What have you been listening to? Speaking of jamming, we got to get to that. We haven't talked. We haven't talked music in a minute. Oh gosh, no, we haven't. Um, Which might be the point of this whole thing, anyway. So when I was in D.C., um, I made a point to hit up a handful of, uh, of record stores, and a bunch of them were closed, but some of them were open, and the ones that I went to that were open, I managed to pick up some pretty cool shit, got, uh, got a couple of old Brutal Truth albums that I didn't have, uh, including their first one, which is really, really good. Uh, been listening to the incantate, the one incantation record that I didn't own, uh, which was Vanquish and Vengeance. And dude, that record is the shit. I've been listening to it a whole bunch. 
Nice um, to hear that. Yeah, there's. Uh, I love that new new track too from their record that's coming out. In, I'm so it, excited for that album. Yes, yeah. that shit rips. And there's, you know, Sonny Lombardazzi who plays guitar. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He plays guitar at Incantation. He's been there for a while. Yeah. Um, he used to be in a band called Fleshtized that I didn't, that I'd never actually listened to before. And I picked up their record, um, the one full length that they put out uh here among thorns and dude that shit is insane it's so good so been listening to a lot of like technical stuff um dope the new um gore worm is a canadian band who just put out a new record on cd and records awesome canadian label uh really cool sort of brutal truth uh, i'm sorry not brutal truth deeds of flesh vibes going in a lot of places uh, can't wait to play them on a show pretty soon, but yeah, warm, definitely check out their new one. That is that the only new one you've been jamming? Goreworm, yeah. Uh, Ulthar, still new stuff, but still I'm not... jamming the new, still jamming that new Ulthar quite a bit. Ulthar, Ulthar, however you say it. Yeah, that was good. That was a good one. I think I think that's pretty much been it, just because I haven't. Uh, if we want to step outside the death metal realm, the um, are you familiar with Idle Hands? Do you listen to them at all? Uh, yeah, man. Dude, I fucking love Idle Hands. They dropped that new single a few days ago. It's very uh, cool. Two heard. awesome songs. And then I'm not even going to fuck around, man. I got the new Static X record, and I think it's fucking fantastic. Bro, is it? Yes. I haven't listened yet. That's man, awesome. if you you got it's it's awesome like sort of turn off your brain music um yeah that's static legit. x yeah dude well and like for anybody who's into fitness like that that is some of the ultimate gym music because you've got the heaviness of metal but you've got that sort of repetitive repetitive trance-like industrial thing going too yeah, um and i it's it's been really great for for uh you know it dropped yesterday and i've been listening to that when i've been running and then listening to it when i've been lifting it at, at, at home and uh if you've ever liked that band at all um there's gonna be something on that record for you to enjoy i can't wait to listen to it good check it out that's awesome i liked uh maybe not quite as taboo as static x but i i think the new lamb of god record is pretty good oh man i i want to listen to it i just hadn't gotten around to it yet I, a lot of motherfuckers like to hate on lamb of god man i know. I, I don't see it's i mean cool. like they've they've definitely found their groove like you know there's not a whole lot even with the introducing with the introduction of like clean vocals and stuff there's still not a whole lot of loops that a new lamb of god record is going to throw you for but like it ain't fucking broken you know what i mean the formula that they've got is solid no, and this oh. one sounds like their old shit. Well, more like their old really? than the last couple ones have. Yeah, it's more, way more straightforward, just like kind of hardcore has that. Hard yeah, I do. I, I want to check it out. I kind of I kind of lost touch with them for a little while, but I reconnected. Uh, there was a record store here in Columbia that closed down in the very beginning of 2019. Uh, and they were doing this huge sale and everything. And I, I bought Lamb of God's entire discography for like 30 bucks and sort of fell back into enjoying the band again. Um, and I definitely want to check out that new one. I just hadn't gotten a chance to yet. I do like that, that Lamb of God is like, Lamb of God is almost sort of like what I think maybe Limp Biscuit and Corn were for dudes who are my age. Like if you are sort <laughs> of, if you're sort of like only getting exposed to sort of the most popular in, yeah. in heavy music 
Right. Uh, and that is your gateway into heavy music. I think that's awesome. And like, you know, with Corn or with Limp Biscuit, the new metal bands that were really big when I was in high school that I listened to, um, some of which I still enjoy. Uh, I found death metal through that shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think if you're like, 14 15 years old and lamb of god is the first fucking big metal band that you hear like you're already way closer to getting to the heavy shit than than if you started with like say a limp biscuit type band you know right um, the set way higher these days yeah super heavy uh technicality amazing musicians so if you are out there listening to this and you like lamb of god and anybody's ever given you any shit for it uh tell them to fuck off yeah man fuck off they, they were at, like, every show, too. Like, growing up, going to metal shows and festivals, like, I must have saw Lamb of God, like, at least a dozen times. Yeah. And, like, they were just, like, always reliable. Like, they were always, like, they're not going to put on the craziest show of, like, all time. They're, like, no theatrics. It's just, like, a, they sound fucking excellent, and they have a shit ton yes. of energy, and it's just an awesome experience, like, without fail every time yeah man uh, the only time i saw i've seen him one time and it was it was right before ashes of the wake came out oh, um and they fucking killed it man that was an amazing show yeah i bet i always like sacrament that was always my favorite sacrament was a sacrament was a great record that was like i remember when it came out and a lot of people were like this is a there's this is a pop album and i'm just like how <laughs> jaded do you how jaded do you have to be to say that like Yes, there is. There's like quality songwriting on there, and, and some of that shit's super accessible. Like Redneck is so accessible, but it's still heavy. I mean, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, man, even a Walk with Me in Hell. That's like, dude, I love that. I, that's probably my favorite opener by them. Yeah, dude, they, they, yeah, that album's no fail for me. That's just yeah, how that went down. Oh, let me see. Well, Rocco is uh, knocking at the door. Mm he was and then he wasn't so we're gonna wait for him I'm, I'm, i'll check my messages i'll keep bullshitting about music for a little bit uh, apart from that i fucking been jamming just slabs upon slabs upon slabs of obituary just not oh, have you the past couple days have just been gym and sludge and obituary and sludge Any, uh what are your standout obituary picks for all the people listening out there i mean like it's so hard to go wrong with the first or second record cause of death has always historically been my favorite and i just yeah. always lo love that album artwork it's just everything about that this was just spoke to me on a deep level and still does sure. but i rediscovered back from the dead the other day during a during a back and bicep session, and I was I was pretty fucking fired up about it. Threatening yeah. skies, track one, the opener yeah. has to be one of the best openers in death metal, and it just sounds really great. Like the sound is really crisp and on point on that one, versus the earlier ones are kind of sludgy and shittier sounding. Yeah. It's still awesome. Everything about it, their new shit's awesome. Everything I thought, yeah. My my recommendation they, for obituary is you just hit shuffle. You can't go wrong. Just listen to all of it. I, yeah. And I, I obituary is one of those bands that I it took me a little bit longer to get into. I didn't get into them until a few years ago. Um, and I, I I don't know. I think the tardy vocals threw me off a little bit when I was younger. Uh, same thing with aspects when I was younger. I was just like this is almost too close to puking for me. And, yeah. and I don't I don't know what happened to make it click, but one day it just did. Um, and I've really been enjoying, especially old obituary, but the newer stuff as well. Um, that self-titled record's got 
tons of riffs on there. Yeah. But one of the albums that I actually picked up when I was in DC was The Incomplete, which I, I didn't own a copy of, but it was an original oh, yeah. pressing, which I don't typically care too much about pressings of stuff. Actually, a lot of times I prefer uh, remasters or I prefer reissues because I want bonus tracks and shit like that. Um, but seeing it sitting there for like 15 bucks, I had to get it. Dude, that's great. I'm glad to hear yeah. that. I love that yeah. one. They've always They've always been a big one for me. Last thing, yeah. not obituary not even close to obituary. I don't even know if you like him. I think the new Bob Dylan record is fucking beautiful. I had no idea there was a new Bob Dylan record out for real. There's a new Bob Dylan record out. It's called rough and rowdy ways, which in it's like super, I'm not a huge Bob Dylan fan, but like, I will say, I do think a lot of the shit is pretentious a little bit. Like, I feel like if you like, like Bob Dylan, you're kind of like a hipster these days or whatever. I understand. I I get that. I'm um, not a huge, but I respect him. The new album is very dark and like moody and like sick. And he's just like, you can tell he's just like an old, like rock star, just like telling you what's up. And it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty grizzled cool. and grossed out with the world around him. I might check it out. I don't have anything to lose. I think, yeah, I think you should, yeah, at least YouTube the track or something. A lot of the older like singer songwriter stuff like that, and it just never really. It's never, I've never been like exposed to it too much and it's never really appealed to me too much to try and take a deep dive into that. But the, uh, I can't fucking remember, uh, Leonard Cohen, when he died, oh, yeah. um, a lot of people were talking about, you know, what this amazing legacy of music that he had and all that. And I, I thought, you know what, man, fuck it. I'm going to check out something other than Jeff Buckley cover and hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it, you know, it turned out there was some stuff in there that was actually pretty interesting. Like it's not stuff that I would go to every day, but it's definitely like mood music. And I yeah, think Leonard Cohen's dope, dude. He's a little bit like Dylan too. Dark shit. Yeah. Well, let's see what Rocco has to say on the matter. Is Rocco is Rocco back. Yeah. Rocco's knocking at the door. Do you think Rocco likes Bob Dylan? I'm going to go with no. I'm going with yes. Let's see. All right. Let's see what happens. All right. We'll get to that. Yes. Hopefully you can hear us. He's can. Hey. Rocco. What's Rocco, up, man? can you hear us? We're back. Hear it perfectly. We're back. We're doing it again. Everybody's got cut off sleeves. This is perfect for everybody yeah, yeah. out there who is listening. We are now <laughs> on the line with Mr. Rocco Martone, singer of Chain to the Dead. How's it going, man? It's been a while. We're excited. Good. It's a boulder shoulder reunion going on over here. I love What's it. going on? Big time. Big time. It's been hot out, you know? Yes. We, we've been we've been getting got nothing to do but get jacked, listen to death metal, and just stay right. inside. So that's what we've been doing. So to play a little bit of catch up real quick, uh, this is our second time talking to Rocco on the Listen Riffs podcast because the government interfered last time. As Fucking the- aliens interfered last time. Fucked up our recording. We didn't get a chance to do it. Um, talked about a whole bunch of cool stuff, which we're gonna you know attempt to maybe replicate or maybe go in different directions today. Who knows? Who knows? what we're going to cover today but the main thing i want to get to is that rocco had some pretty big shit on the horizon last time we talked to him and that has come and gone since then how was the big day uh the wedding was yeah great. yeah it was great awesome uh, man congratulations congratulations That's fantastic thanks guys it was a good backyard wedding which we had to do and had to go to my uh ex-girlfriend's current wife's house and uh d white train her father's uh, backyard because it was the best place and uh we did it did a good job the that's whole- awesome 
it's, it, and you know, even though you you've kind of had your hand forced by COVID, like everybody else in the world, I, I like to think that stuff like that will always be special. You know. Yeah, it was more intimate. It was more. Uh, yeah, it just was uh, very DIY, and uh, it was just it was nice. Uh, everyone had a good time. I remember it all. That's a plus. <laughs> the ending was a little fuzzy, but there's pictures that filled in the gaps. But uh, there you go. Sometimes you just got to rely on that photographic evidence. <laughs> Not the photographic memory, but the photographic evidence. But yeah, it was great, and uh, everything good. Man, good. Was your uh, wedding song "Beheaded by Berryman"? <laughs> <laughs> we decided not to go with our real wedding song to uh do it it's funny that you say that because whenever they have those little cards where the people can request a song at a wedding there is always that one guy who does like hammer smash face by cannibal corpse i'm that guy <laughs> <laughs> which would be awesome have you guys have you guys seen the video of uh frank mullen doing a suffocation song at his own wedding i did see that yeah no i did that's awesome fucking awesome it was like it was like entrails of you, I think. He was like singing along to it, uh, just using like a karaoke <laughs> mic. And the, the thing about it is, if you break down the lyrics to entrails to you, entrails of you, it's very much a love song. Uh, pretty intense. It is. Maybe take it love a little bit further than I think a lot of us want to. Passion. Not necessarily healthy, but very much a love song. Passion. Yeah, when you're like a teenager, love is kind of like that. So. Love is messy. <laughs> There was a, I snuck a little hypocrisy onto the playlist because they have a couple of really slow songs that are not too wild. And uh, there was an Andrew WK on the playlist, and that's pretty much obituary and uh, with uh, the Don Tardy. But the other three guys were in a, a very cool death metal band from Florida as well, and I can't remember the name of it. But I've checked that. I knew there was an obituary connection, but I didn't know. I don't know what the other band was. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, is it intoxicated? You are correct. I believe that you are correct, yes. Good job. They are awesome. Um, actually, our buddy uh, Tom from Redefining Darkness, his other label, Seeing Red, is putting out an intoxicated EP. Wow. Yeah. I just got the email about that a couple of days ago. Yeah, now I'm definitely going to check it out. In like a month. Yeah, and I got the um, – he sends me promos and stuff, and it's, yeah. it's, one of the, it's one of the best things I've heard all year easily. No shit. Yeah, and that's why I've been on such – that is what led me into – we were talking earlier, Rocco. I'm on a huge obituary kick right now, so that's very fitting. But that's what led me there was listening to that EP, led me down the well of obituary. Why do you say that? Because I popped that in, telling someone about that at the wedding, and I was like, I got to get it out. And I got the old Roadrunner 2CD when they were doing those 2CD packs, Roadrunner ones. Right, right, right. I put it in the vault. car. What did you say? Two from oh. the vault. Yeah, yeah, when they were doing those, I think there was an Exhorter one and a couple others. Uh, I popped that in, listening to those, and uh, it was funny that my wife got in the car, and she's like, I like this, because it's like, it's such a, they're just such a fucking cool band, and they're just, can't really beat them for old school death metal. Plus, they had the best fucking cover. Oh, not always the best covers, but they did have some really fucking, like the Michael Weldon, that famous one that's like, uh, was used on the cover of a bunch of H.P. Lovecraft books with the spider yeah. in the eye. Cause of death, yeah, that's my favorite one. I mean, that's got me into death metal, and that made the connection with like horror, death metal. Like, this is where I belong right here because of that. Yeah, I mean, it's just a perfect death metal album cover. You can't really beat that. You know, where, you know where that art was supposed to end up, right? I do not. That was actually going to be the art for, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sepultura's "Beneath the Remains." Ooh, interesting. And, and, Michael Weldon 
cover I, I believe as well is a that's the same dude if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. They they, they chose the uh, the art with the eyeball, right? And for whatever reason, they ended up losing it, but they didn't lose it before. Uh, like Max and I think Igor too went out and got that art tattooed on them. So you've got two of the founding members from Sepultura who've got fucking obituary art tattooed on them because they thought it was going to be their art, which I think is pretty dope. I mean, and you know, ultimately at the end of the day, we got two super iconic album covers out of the deal too, because I think that the, the cover of Beneath the Remains is cool as shit as well. That's, yeah, that's I had no idea about yeah. that. A little bit of trivia. That's amazing. Thank you. This has been like a very trivia-filled conversation so far with like yeah, the Andrew man. W. Gay right connection. Not messing around. And this is like, people are going to be coming out of this with all kinds of useless knowledge that hopefully they'll one day win some money on Jeopardy with, and they better not fucking forget about us because we need a cut. That's why we're wearing handcuffs. <laughs> Didn't Jeopardy recently have a couple death metal themed? I think so. I, I, I want to say I heard about that like second or third hand, but I'm not sure. Well, well, copyright right now. We're going to do death metal, trivial pursuit. We're going to write them all. Still down. It's funny how that like makes the news if there's like a metal or like horror song on Jeopardy. Like people post about it. Like, did you like, could you imagine if like there was a thing like Alicia Keys was an answer on Jeopardy? Like nobody gives a fuck. It's like always like Phantasm was an answer on Jeopardy. Oh shit. It's something that, you know, just pops up and uh, it's such a tight thing to your heart when you like car metal or something like that where you just like shout at the rooftops it's something because you know there's some dude hopefully not just like some guy flipping through a book but like whenever you see a reference like uh the movie matilda danny devito it's based on like an old kid's book there's a kid wearing a napalm death shirt in that really fucking wild it's her it's her asshole cousin that she goes to live with and when you see shit like that you know obviously ace ventura and uh yeah godflesh song in that movie hideaway which is fucking cool and uh shirt in uh, the Mike, Mike Judge movie that he did, Extract, one after Office Space. Yeah, the, 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 the uh, dude's band is called, the dude's got a grind band called God's Cock, right? Yeah. <laughs> like TJ Miller, like fucking Yogi Berra's voice doing a, wearing a dying fetus shirt. Oh, I hadn't seen that movie in years, man. Have you guys seen Deathgasm? That like Australian yeah. horror? Yeah, they have so many shout outs to just talk. Metal bands and that whole movie is like a nerd metal nerd's dream. Yeah, I was uh, I enjoyed that. It was very weird to hear like a conversation on Chris Barnes's uh, versus uh, was uh, Corpse Grinder. Corpse Grinder, yeah. Talk about like that's the end of the movie is them discussing what they like better. It's like okay, yeah, man, I could I could very pretty pretty common conversation a lot of times though. Like the internet or whatever. Fucking that seems to be. The great decider. I I uh, I have a throwaway dummy account that I use on Facebook just for following bands, uh, and I'm I'm part of a couple of groups, and one of them is a Cannibal Corpse band group. And like every single person when they join that fucking group, the first post, Barnes or Corpse Grinder, sure. and then like it's the same conversation in the fucking comments every time. What would your answer be? Yeah, I was just gonna ask. <laughs> I got two different, there are two different bands, man. I, Cannibal Corpse is absolutely my favorite death metal band of all time. One of my favorite bands of all time. My next tattoo is going to be a fucking butchered at birth, baby. Um, I like, I, I don't look at them as singers from the same bands because the stylistic shift in the music was so great between their tenures that it's just, it's just not the same thing to me. 
Now, I will say that I love the way that Corpse Grinder performs Barnes' songs live. Uh, I think it's a little bit more intense than what Barnes did, and I, I think that he's just kind of aged a little bit better as well. Um, I don't know. I, I saw video of it. I wasn't there for it. Um, but since Jack Owen joined Six Feet Under, um, they have on occasion played one of the songs that he wrote in Cannibal Corpse that was on the uh, that was on the Wretched Spawn. And I, I think it was like Psychotic Precision. I'd have to check to make sure. Uh, no, no, it's the one about tattoos. Um, I don't know. I'd have to check the title to make sure. Um, but like you see Chris Barnes live performing stuff that was originally recorded by Corpse Grinder. And it's not, he's not cutting it, man. I mean, I feel like it's easier for Corpse Grinder to sing his songs than vice versa, for sure. Yeah, no matter what kind of, even if Chris Barnes was like in the shape of his life right now, just like that's Corpse Grinder is like so much different. And yeah, I feel like you just have to be a better singer to nail that shit. Even even Barnes had different eras. You know, the beginning stuff was way more raspy yeah. than by the end. It's just that pure like guttural thing. But Corpse Grinder's just a front man. Like that's he's just he can possesses like the fucking crap. Granted, when Barnes was like fronting Cannibal Corpse, he was like twenty years old. You know, he was a kid. Yeah, you watch old footage. Just looks like a young band. But like the Corpse Grinder, just hey, he seems like the coolest dude in the world. While while Barnes seems a little not as cool as a dude. And just like the power that dude has and just it's wild. yeah i saw them in philly and he came on the stage and he said he's like i'm really sorry I, i'm so sick like i've been vomiting and i'm lying all day and he didn't move the whole show but the show was the same sonically where he hit all the notes he did everything we didn't do his normal like just rocking out he looked like he was gonna die on stage he was <laughs> fucking but he, brutal but he did the whole fucking hour and a half fucking kind of, like you would never would have known it if he didn't say that and and if you had never seen them before and know that he's known for losing his fucking, his giant neck and swinging. But I just think he's such a fucking pro, man. And like, he's, he's so good at it because like, that's, that's all he does. Like being as good of a front man and being as good of a death metal, like vocalist as Corpse Grinder, that's all you can do. You don't write lyrics. You don't write music. You don't do anything except get up there and fucking dominate. I, I do like, if you look at the liner notes for Gallery of Suicide, like he's credited with writing some of the lyrics, but they also credited him with like vocal patterns, which I, I felt like they were just like, let's give the guy something. Let's, uh, let's say, you know, he, he came up with the vocal patterns, even if he didn't come up with what he was saying. Like Corpse Grinder doesn't need that credit, man. The performance alone, the delivery, like that guy will fit a million syllables into like half of a second. It's just really, really impressive as, as, a, as a vocalist and as a singer and as a musician too, because like knowing when to come in on some of that shit, uh, you know, I'm not a musician by any stretch and I'm not a fucking mathematician either, but some of that shit's like hard to get the patterns down for, you know? Yeah, especially fitting. Talented man. It's funny because when you mentioned Barnes and I think of Six Feet Under and it's like, like, where does that band even, what is their purpose in this day and age? But I actually, all those Graveyard Classics albums, to me, the first one is always, like, a cool thing. And then, what I, to me, it's, like, the Weird Al, that's, like, a Weird Al Yankovic. I can enjoy it on that. It's just so silly, the way that they do some of those songs. And his vocals are so weird and goofy that it's, like, I just, I don't know. I mean, that first Six Feet Under album's cool. That's got Trevor Perez on from Obituary, too, I think, right? Alan West. Alan West. Uh, 
So like, I remember that coming out. That was really a cool album when it first came out. But other than that, I don't know. It's more like a, a it's a goof to me right now. But not he's a goof. But that music is just enjoyed that. It, it is, and it's it's definitely. <laughs> I I own the entire Six Feet Under discography, and I and even though I don't want to, I can't stop because I have all the old shit. So whatever new shit they do, I'm gonna have to check out. And like. It, mainly because Six Feet Under was the very first death metal band that I ever heard. The very first death metal song I ever heard was um, War Is Coming, which opens Warpath. That was their second record that also had Alan West on it. Such a fucking catchy riff. Uh, it was really like sort of a bridge from stuff like Pantera and Sepultura that I was listening to at the time uh, into that heavier shit. But especially in recent years like Barnes's Twitter account just makes me want to wish that I could fucking cut ties with this band completely because that dude's off his fucking nut uh conspiracy theories and all this other shit like that and um I, I honestly think anal cunt made fun of him in a song 30 years ago or like 20 something years ago and it just broke the dude like he hasn't <laughs> recovered that's pretty funny well, this is a perfect time for me to say that I prefer the Barnes era to Cannibal. <laughs> so that you know what, uh, as I say that, I will say that I do listen to the first three more than I listen to any of the other albums. And yeah, that's me, me too. And like you said, like that was my first death metal band. I, I that was the first group I got into, and it was just so fucking crazy and outrageous and fucking buying the censored versions at Coconuts Record Store, which was just a white sleeve that said. Yeah send away for the, the the things and everything like that and I had a uh, cannibal corpse poster for tomb of the mutilated which i still have to this day and the, yeah they were just the first one so for me i'll i'll go with those first three albums which but, one's your favorite tomb was the one that came out when i was into them so it's gonna be the one that has my thing but I think I got to go to them. It's hard to, dis it's hard to delineate between which one is close. You know what I mean? Like which one? Yeah. I prefer tomb as well. Uh, it's, it's definitely hard to say between the three, but I, I just remember that being the first record. Like, I think I saw it when I was like 12 and it like scared me or like when I look, I looked at the album, like the track list and you see entrails ripped from a virgin's cunt. I'm like, I just, I shouldn't be seeing that and just put it away. You know, this is the first thing that like freaked me out, like made me shy, you know, but then of course I can't get enough of it now. But. Yeah. And even that opening song, if you want to talk first songs on an album, that's fucking gotta be the number one death metal first song ever. Like hundred percent. Just everything from the fucking dance part, like jokingly, the Ace Ventura part, the fucking bass solo coming out of nowhere, like all the templates for what? people would be ripping off of them for years to come or just in that one song. It's kind of like, it's all right there. It's like, what a fucking boom right to your face. And then, like you said, being scary as a kid hearing that with no knowledge of who these guys were, you have what the, I think it's Ed Kemper is on there that like, Oh no, addicted to vaginal skin. Yeah. And they has his little interview, which is like samples. We're not all over the place like they are now. And um, the kids crying or the kids playing in the playground, you know, yeah. for that one song. Right, right. himself. Across, across the street where these kids on a playground. So oh, like, did he? I didn't even know that. Fuck. That's what I always heard. You know, it might be one of those. That's great. That song so fucked up, too. Was that Necropedophile? Yeah. <laughs> I remember once, I was at a Maryland Death Fest, and it was the year Dismember and Pungent Stench played. 
and there was a, I think, I don't know if Clit Eater, the band, was playing, or they had a merch table, or the guy who was in it, but they were selling sweatpants, something that would never go over today, that just said 100% pedophile on the, on the, on the, on the, the Jesus Christ. I don't know. Like and I was just like, I mean, that, as a person who knows what gore grind and porno grind is, it doesn't even shock you like really it should when you just see it but you're just looking at that like who is this product for like what is yeah, this yeah, right. the whole premise is off and like but there was a dude rocking them and you know no one fucking batted an eye and, or anything like that you know definitely the most dangerous man to walk into the local walmart <laughs> well yeah Jesus. yeah that's uh that song is fucking yeah hard. some of the some of the in, like unintentionally funny uh cannibal corpse songs that 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 one always cracks me up but then like some of the later ones there's there's one on the most recent record called heads shoveled off oh that's it's good fucking hilarious there's oh. one on torture uh it's just called it's called followed home then killed and i don't know why it's funny it's as funny to me as it is but it's it, it's it's so anticlimactic i, I don't know man like, there's something <laughs> about Something about some of these titles, just like fucking, uh, you hear it and you can't do anything except laugh. And like, my wife is very familiar with this because a lot of times when I just sort of erupt at fucking laughter for one thing or another while I'm sitting in my computer, probably because I read uh, some fucking song title and, and cracked up. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, who's it? The bass player writes all the lyrics, right? And you know, he's on his alpaca farm hanging out, just like, ah, oh, this is a good one. This is funny. Cause you know, that you see the dude, Think of like they they do have the best death metal documentary I've ever seen, which is on that yeah. the most exhaustive, incredible thing. Like what is three and a half, four hours of just yes, right about every album. The fact that a guy broke up <laughs> from Cannibal Corpse because he didn't want to recover a Black Sabbath song on that EP, like that's why he left the band. It was like okay, but that's that's the best documentary I've ever seen. In terms, you maybe even multiple times. Yeah, like it's just so, and it's so cool. It's split up between the barns and and the uh, even that even that de- even that documentary took a side and went well, well. We'll just put the line down the middle. We won't. But it's, and it it was cool because it it's wild that that documentary is like twelve years old now. Like that shit came out in like two thousand eight, which I think is crazy because so much has happened with the band since then. I would love to get like a part two of that. But I also it was cool to see like Barnes and a lot of the dudes on camera together like getting along that made me super happy um but like it seems like something happened after that and i i don't know what it was because apparently things are acrimonious again and you've got like a whole 12 year period of time to 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 wonder what happened but like chris barnes is the six feet under bio on twitter is uh in 1996 cannibal corpse changed their name to six feet under and i want to be like holy shit Damn. shots fired what happened why did things go I, back to the way that they were this could I be think this you entire can, podcast is just fucking cannibal corpse i think you can smoke too much weed i think that's I think what you can too you know that's, you have a, a device in your hand that could make your highest thoughts in the world disseminated amongst the public within a second yeah not the best thing in the world and then that's and all it takes is one screenshot and that's there i mean it's there forever so it's probably not the best idea i've often advocated that there should be a device on your phone and your computer like a breathalyzer that you can't access ebay 
the people like us who buy way too much shit. True. Uh, any social media, any X's numbers or just like if you're above a certain level, if you can't do a certain division problem, like no, shut down. See us tomorrow. We'll figure it out then. You like can make a, like a, a governor for internet action. You just need someone to fucking filter it through. And I'm, that. Kind of that. I'm for that idea. I think there, there should be more. There should be more policing of assholes on the internet. Well, yeah. Well, that's obvious. We're high and buying shit on Amazon, for sure. Yeah. When you have weird bathtub shitter seven inches showing up your up at your house, and you go, yep. what the f- I don't even have a goddamn record player. But they- lawnmower death on tape. I couldn't pass it up. Yeah, man. You bought a seventy-five dollar Predator Two action figure. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was you. I didn't do that. I had an old band that covered a lawnmower death song, actually. Oh, really? Trampoline. Lawnmower death rules. They were very good. What else are you listening to, Rocco? What's on your radar, man? What's new? New shit on my radar is uh, tough. I've been just, like I said, I've been on the obituary kick a lot lately. Um, we share that. Oh, shit. I found a bunch of old Empatigo reissues that I've been listening to. Just the uh, shit, man. Do you like or have you heard the new Bob Dylan record? I did not know he had one, actually. Well, do you like Bob Dylan? I do not. Sweet. I don't. Okay, he won. All right. <laughs> I don't actively dislike him as a person, but I definitely uh, have never liked any of the songs he's ever written. We were we were talking about it before you came on, and we made a we. She Schuler was going with you don't like Bob Dylan, and I was going with you did like Bob Dylan. But um, they were one of the things like I like the band a lot, like the band, the band who was back sure. in I think that they're they're one of my tops, especially Lee Von Helm, who I think is one of the coolest dudes and songwriters, and also has a really good documentary if you want to fucking cry your eyes out by the end of it. But uh, the what band, is that? Uh, it's just called I don't remember what it's called. If you look at Lee Von Helm, it'll pop up. Okay, yeah, I will, dude. That sounds great. Yeah, right before his death and. Uh, I remember he was doing the things at his barn called these like midnight rambles. This is after he kind of came back from throat cancer. He put out a couple solo albums and uh, he was doing these things at his barn where you could go as a fan in his barn. It's in upstate New York. And I think he'd have like 50, 100 people in and he'd have like Donald Fagan from Steely Dan, uh, his wife, who was Donald Fagan's ex-husband uh, or ex-wife. And she's a known singer songwriter. Just random dudes would come and you'd hang out in his barn and listen to him play. His wife would be bringing out like sweet tea and fucking shit like that. But uh, yeah, I think he's fucking cool. I think the band is fucking a great fucking crew of dudes. Uh, oh, yeah. It was recorded on my birthday, like the actual day of my birth, Thanksgiving. Boom. Which also features Van Morrison, who's my all time favorite solo artist. And uh, really, that's good. This, see, this, this is interesting. That's why we ask. You can hear the influence. You can hear Van Morrison really come through and change the <laughs> to the dead. Um, I've heard and I agree with the fact that uh, his uh, uh, Ancestral Weeks, which is the second album he had after his big hits, Brown Eye Girl and all that stuff, where it is often credited as being a precursor to death metal and the fact that it's so freeform and fuck you to the music business. And he was sick of the music business fucking with his stuff. So he just made, he was sick of the hits and didn't want to write any of that. So he just eight minute long rambling songs where he's talking about wild shit and using crazy euphemism for sex and drugs and shit. And, I have heard that, like that, Makes sense. like the Captain Beefheart, like those are kind of considered yeah. early precursors to like grindcore and just the, the fuck you attitude of death metal. Um, and he's a bad, he's a crazy dude where like he's been known to run away from interviews 
and yeah. marginally he'll cut sets short. He's like the Axl Rose. He like cuts sets short after 40 minutes. And like, I saw him live finally a few years ago. And like, they do Brown Eyed Girl because I have to. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he does it for like two minutes. And then he just turns and walks off the stage and the rest of the band just grooves out for like a fucking <laughs> shit. He doesn't say goodbye or see you, but that's it. That's the last song. He sings the last note and just takes off and he's gone. Probably in his limo. That's probably a thing, right? They probably say like, right. limo, get me the fuck away from the stadium. You guys jam out for like 12 minutes. and uh, But he's the fucking man. If you want to, I don't know. I, it's just a, a music that appeals to me. So. I dig him, man. You can't fake that attitude. That's just authenticity right there. No way, man. That's what I dig about him. You watch him on that band fucking thing, all fucking coked up and kicking, doing air kicks and fucking jumping in the air, dude. There you go. That guy's just lived enough. Sometimes you don't, when you see an older dude like that and you just uh, assume, like, that guy's never lived a life like me. That's what happens when you're younger, too. Then you just think, that guy's lived enough lifetimes for a million years. Like, he had a, doc, a book about him that came out recently where he was, like, running from the mob in Boston and hiding out from the mob and doing all, like, there's some wild shit in that guy's past. So I need yeah, a Morrison? Yeah, dude. It's uh, it just came out. It's called like six something nineteen sixty eight. The story of Astral Weeks, I believe. And, I'm writing that down right now. I'll send, saw- you, I'll send you the actual title, but yeah, you'll be able to find it that way. It came out within like two years ago. Awesome, man. Thank you. I saw him like I think it was two years ago. He was on like Willie Nelson's like version of Ozfest or whatever. It's like Willie's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heard, right. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I didn't. I was gonna go to that. I didn't go. Yeah, dude, it was uh, it was killer. It was killer. And Will, Willie Nelson was also killer, but Van Van Morrison was fucking awesome. I believe that the two of them were planning on doing an album together after that little fest where they hung out and partied and were like, "Fuck, let's do it." Well, now's the time to do it if they're going to do it. We need it. It's always blown my mind that more crossovers don't happen. Like, how does it not happen? Like, when you see that, what's the video? The the guy, the guy from Guard doing the fucking Cannibal Corpse song once again to bring it back to Cannibal Corpse. Have to. I'm it's uh, they just put it out. It's like four dudes. It might be Trevor from Black Dolly Murder, and it's oh, uh, was it something? It was from the Bleeding. I <laughs> yeah, think. they did uh, picks, pickaxe murders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and that's amazing. But it's like I know that there's labels and shit that we don't know about that probably keeps these things from happening. But. You know, all these dudes have studios and shit, and like, you just think, like, man, like, do a fucking, I don't know, if you just had like a switched, I don't know, obituary did an album. I don't, you know, what I'm talking about though. I'm just, That'd be cool. I, I, and I, I feel like right now, where a lot of people are sort of struggling, musicians especially when they, you know, who rely on touring for income, there are people who are going a million different directions trying to find ways to make up for that right now. And I feel like if they could make money doing it. Uh, at least to some extent to sort of cushion the blow of not being able to do, or I'm sure that they would. I know Chris Jericho is doing an 80s Kiss cover band right now. It's amazing. And it's just 80s Kiss. It's him. It's other dudes who my brain's farting on now, but it's all dudes from other groups that came together and they're just doing like two singles uh, every couple months. They're going to release them. I think that's the, I think most bands should be doing shit like that right now. That'd be awesome. I think I'd like to see more bands in the underground do it. Yeah, we've discussed doing like a live stream or something like that. And you just don't know. It's just a matter of, for us, like not that many, without touring, most people that are outside of New Jersey don't give a shit if we're going to do something like that. It would be cool if there was a platform or someone that aggregates stuff like that. If so, yeah. you know, 
someone more ambitious than me could do something and get that started. And there might be something like that that I just don't know about. I think it's coming, man, especially since, I mean, I mean, basically no shows are happening till, till next year that we know about. So I feel like the need for that's just going to fester and grow. And that's eventually going to be where this is going. Or drive-in concerts, which are apparently a thing happening. Yeah, I know that there's some wrestling shows that have been going on in New Jersey that have been driving. Like you drive your car up right to the ring with death matches, kind of stuff like that. And uh, I mean, you can do the same deal with a just a little riser in the middle of a parking lot somewhere. You just need the person. I was literally just talking about this because our studio space has a big. It's like an, it's in a big industrial park, and we were talking about it at a practice the other day. And I was thinking, but it just takes like it'd be great if everything goes smoothly, but Next thing you know, if someone takes a picture of 40 people hanging out without masks, then you just look like an asshole if you're the one that put it on. And you hope that people can be cool about it, but how do you know? And then all of a sudden you got this clusterfuck and you're like, shit, man, this is all on me. I'm that guy in the New Jersey boardwalk with the pictures that were showing up that I saw. With <laughs> like, shit, man, I call those people assholes and I'm the one to put this thing on. So it might not be worth it, but it would be fucking awesome if it could come together. But I'm, what I'm worried about is that it's, the timeline for this, we're still being too generous with. Uh, I don't think things are going to be back to normal by next year. I don't think uh, things are going to be back to normal for five. Like normal's gone. Man. All the shit that we're used to, that's not coming back. Because by the time it does come back, or, or some version of it comes back, enough time will have passed that people will have changed anyway. Right. Uh, the quarantine is going to change people, man. It's going to change our appetites. It's going to change the way that we take in music, the way that we appreciate live stuff and the, the way that we sort of learn to deal with that in isolation. And so whatever is on the other side of this, if there is another side of this is not going to look like shit did a year ago. Um, and I hope, I really, really hope that the people who depend on this to make a living figure out a way to survive because like what a shitty hand to be dealt who who the fuck who the fuck could think that you know uh what are we going to do in the event of a global pandemic uh it just it's not on anybody's radar it's not in anybody's business plan i don't think and so it really sucks to watch some of the bands that i like sort of you know having to face the fact that this is probably going to be it for them Especially because bands like those bands that we're talking about, where especially in the underground, where there's like ninety nine percent of bands have day jobs or just doing that thing where they're touring nonstop and just finding and they're playing shitty places and crashing in places and maybe work a couple of days at a warehouse back in their hometown. But it's like such a a machine or just a boulder rolling downhill that I'm sure none of the people, like you said, have ever thought of that. And then it's just boom, it just cut short. I mean, hey, like I think we were talking about on our uh, our mystery episode that it's going to make you people hopefully appreciate things. And it made me appreciate a lot in my life and uh, the band that I have and the friends and the, the experiences that I had. And uh, hopefully that'll be the thing because it will be uh, greatly uh, different how you can view just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a, an old friend, you know. Yeah, and well, speaking of of that, I uh, I feel like we're we're remiss in this podcast because we we had such a cool conversation last time. I feel like we're kind of picking up where we left off and and not really revisiting too much. Uh, for the people who are listening, man, we we definitely want to talk about your band a little bit, um, or fucking for the rest of the podcast. Who knows? But Chain to the Dead, uh, tell us a little bit about the band's history. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you guys right now during the pandemic, what the future may hold. I know that there was some uh, interesting stuff that you mentioned last time about plans that you guys might have. Maybe something's developed on that since then, but give us the rundown on the band, man. Sure. Uh, New Jersey, obviously, uh, Northern New Jersey. I mean, as I grew up, I was, you know, always a death metal dude. And I had a fake band called Painful Urination when I was a young boy where I just wrote lyrics nonstop. I still have them to this day, hundreds of death metal lyrics. Uh, that just kind of went away. I wanted it to be called Painful Urination so people looking for pungent stench would find it on their way to see Painful, painful Urination. Nice. I, big ambitions. I uh, eventually started that band years later with a buddy I worked with at a CD store who wanted, I said, let's start a band. And uh, he was in like a power metal band at the time. And I was like, let's start a cool band. <laughs> 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 and I had the name. I was like, I'm going to do it. And uh, he knew a drummer who was in a million bands at the time, my buddy Joe, who's the drummer now. And uh, he, we had the band for a while, had a good run with PU, uh, stopped. And then another friend from the scene, Steve, who's in a death metal band called Bubbles, which was a very popular band in this area for a while. Uh, and I had become friends and he's like, he hadn't done anything for a while. Joe had switched to guitar and was in like a really cool stoner rock band. And then Steve decided he wanted to do it. And me and him got together. We wrote some stuff and Joe's just couldn't play guitar in it. And we had a drummer that just couldn't get it. Like when you're trying to say like do a cool like cannibal corpsey part here or something, he just couldn't do it. So we kind of Joe went to drums and uh, we just kind of started writing from there. Uh, had a bass player named JP. He eventually joined, and uh, that's uh, the how Chain of the Dead became a thing. Uh, and uh, that was five years ago. So we recorded a full length with John JP right away, and then. Uh, Within a month of John joining the band, we played a show with Dying Fetus. <laughs> so it was kind of like, wow, pretty fucking cool. This is uh, going well. Our first show was at a motorcycle get-together in a farm up in upstate New York. We played outside with the fucking sun setting. And like, all right, this band seems pretty fucking cool, man. Uh, yeah. And uh, what else would you like to know? <laughs> was the horror movie influence and just the the horror in general influence a thing since day one or was that a natural uh, progression in yourself it wasn't meant to be because the old band the painful nation i was talking about was it was all horror stuff it didn't start off that way but then it became that way just out of the love for it and this the lyrics come easy and stuff like that and the samples and everything comes from that Change didn't start that way, but it just kind of like I was gonna not do that again. I was like, why repeat yourself? But then I don't know. It's the thing I love. A lot of those pain, painful urination songs didn't even like see the light of day. They're they're lost on a hard drive somewhere and a CD somewhere. I was like, well, let's keep these going. And the first album was horror, but there was like we have a song about Breaking Bad on there and like a couple yeah true life serial killer thing on there so we were i was not sure i didn't really know where it was gonna be but then like i just realized this is it this is what i want it to be and uh, the other guys don't really care about that stuff as much they like the imagery and the idea of it but the one dude in my band has never seen one of the movies that we've ever <laughs> talked about and wow. uh, yeah and uh you know i get it people are busy but you know maybe you should get your fucking shit together and watch the goddamn society <laughs> motherfucker yeah for sure yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, in a dream world, I would have an all wrestling theme band, but that's even hard. That's even more outside the box and harder to get a bunch of four, four dudes to agree on. But uh, yeah, it just kind of came from my love of it. And I just, uh, once we did the third album, so, so pretty much the second uh, 
uh, I just was like, this is it. This is what I want these songs to be about. And I did throw a wrestling song in there, but I just, I knew it's the imagery I wanted and I wanted it. I like that it has a focus where it's a horror thing, but the songs have, a, they have a visual component to them as well. So like, I like on the album artwork, I think Shure just got the album, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the weird sheet has a, like a picture that I, like a painting for each song and shit. Like I wanted it to be like a, I wanted everything to have like a visual component. And I wanted someone, if you'd ever heard of a song, like you see that and you go, it triggers something you like in it. And it's like, you know, yeah, that's like, well, yeah, like, you know, like I'm going to dig this dude, these dudes, because they like something I like. That's huge. I mean, you can tell it's just you're passionate about it. And like, from a fellow horror fan to another, you can't, you can't fool one. So, you know, it's the real deal. So that, that's what, that's what I personally appreciate about uh, your music the most and how diverse it is just sounding. Oh, thank you. I mean, you could get like, I get, and that's another thing too, is like musically, like it's cool because you could have songs that maybe even, maybe not in your head when you hear it, but like when I first heard it, like I knew like this song sounds like this, a song that would be dark and eerie. And I was like, The Gate, it's like, it sounds like a song that would summon the devil. Right. The Gate, the perfect thing to put on that song and the sample in the beginning of The Gate where the guy conjures it up. I was like, this is the perfect thing. And just uh, how those kind of little parts coalesce together to make the songs and and I wanted it to be fun. I know I wanted to, I mean, we, we want to have a, a band that's fun. Like we're not taking, we're not dour. There's enough, I mean, there's plenty of bands out there. If you want to listen to uh, a political band or a band that's singing about like war and atrocities and that's fine, but that's, that's CNN and Fox news. That's, that's the news. This is not the news. This is fun. And there's a place for all that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. If you want to be like Woody Guthrie singing about the plate of, poor people and the downtrodden that's fine but that's not what i want to listen to this music for or music i want to create well it does sorry Go ahead. Ahead. no man you're good i've been i've been hogging the mic I, with um one of the it's it's definitely clear that you guys and it, it's interesting to know we didn't get to this last time i don't think that that you're really the only person in the band who is that engaged with the subject matter um, so I take it then if that's the case that you, you know, Zach says that you are, uh, definitely a horror fan and you can tell, um, I had only had the CD version of a gruesome encounter the last time we spoke. And like you said, in the time since then, I, I bought a copy of the 12 inch and, you know, looking at that and then looking at the, the vinyl for your first album, um, to an extent, the Dutch gut split, which I think is only on CD. Uh, you can tell that there's very much sort of a unity of purpose and a unity of vision from the songs to the uh, visual presentation. So if the other guys aren't necessarily that into the horror stuff, does that pretty much leave everything on you? Like, are you sort of the, it's a weird thing to say because I'm not trying to get you to be like, yes, I'm the creative driving force behind Change of the Dead. But like, is this something that you, in addition to being the, the singer, are also very much sort of taking up the, the reins on doing? Um, not, not, not musically. That's just whatever the... the yeah, topic. no, I'm the, and, and I, I'm the, I don't mean musically. I mean, I mean like the, the visual aspect of it. Yeah, the visual aspect is pretty much my... Usually comes down to me or I have the idea to do it just because I'm thinking of it all the time. And I think about it and like... It's not that my idea is better. It's just if I have the idea, no one else really is. You know, everyone has their own things. They're not that invested in that. Um, I don't know if I could be in a band where I'm not the guy who's doing all that stuff. It's like kind of like wouldn't be as much fun. But yeah, it usually comes down to me. Like the concept for the first album was 
born the rot. So I had the idea of like a baby, a rotting baby coming out of the vagina, not out of the vagina, but you know, being born. That that album cover is fucking gross. <laughs> As painted by my girlfriend, actually. Uh, yeah, you told us last time. Very, very well done. Very out. Shout out to her for that. That's pretty. That's pretty huge. I don't know how many elementary art school teachers have a uh, death metal uh, cover on their resume, but she certainly does. Badass. <laughs> and uh, I, had, I had it. I had it with me uh, when I did a show. Um, this was back in the spring semester, uh, and someone, the, the person who came into the studio after me, saw the cover, and I, I was like, "We we don't have to have a ha- a conversation about this. Like, I'm just gonna go." If you, if you notice though, like on the album, I, I purposely wanted, besides the gross baby, like colors are all muted. They're like pastels and like, they're not your typical like bright orange, reds and blue. Like it, I wanted it to almost look like, like a children's book gone awry. Where yeah. like, that, but then the cover with a red gooey zombie baby's blood bursting out. That's like disgusting. But the rest of it could almost be like a kid's book, the way the palette is and the it does it you've you've got you've got sort of the the demented child's book going on with the first album and then with a gruesome encounter it feels like feels like classic 90s comic book art like gone horribly wrong um and and i i just i i think that that also feeds into some of the differences between you guys and a lot of other death metal bands and I, i think that you know, I, I can't remember if you said this or if Zach said this or, or if it's just something that like a memory that I manufactured. But like <laughs> thinking of you guys as more of like just an extreme metal band than a death metal band continues to make sense to me because it does seem like a lot of, of what you're trying to do. And you did touch on this last time. Uh, a lot of what you guys are trying to do seems to sort of unfold organically. And because of that, we see a whole lot of different influences creeping into the music. So it's not predictable death metal. Um, it's not predictable old school death metal that you can sort of expect what's coming next. Like there's all kinds of stuff in there ranging from uh, just like basic straight ahead groove shit um, into, I think last time I talked about some of the metalcore influences, like some of the classic metalcore, like Coalesce and Botch that I could hear there in places. Um, your approach as a vocalist, I think, is also very different. And I know that you mentioned last time uh, that there wasn't really a plan going into how these things were going to sound. You guys just wanted to do what you, what came out naturally and what you enjoy. Um, can you talk like a little bit more about that process? Like where, where that leaves, where that leaves you guys going in the future? Yeah, well, there's no, like the most recent practice, the Joe, the drummer just had a song that he came in that he wrote. And I'm like, this is nothing like anything else that we've ever had. It's a, almost, I don't want to say what Joe's like. It just has a, a weight to it that a lot of the other songs don't have. And uh, you could tell it's, I could tell from listening to it that it's like written by not Steve, who generally starts with most of the ideas. But it was one of those times where I'm at practice and I close my eyes because I'm just listening to them play it and refine it and get it over before I ruin it with my shit. <laughs> and uh, I just closed my eyes and I was just like, wow, like this is like, this is something. Like it's one of, it was one of those things because we're just right, right now we're really gearing into the new writing new shit. And like, there's a couple that we've written and I'm like, this is going to be a song, but it's, you know, it's just going to be a song we have. It's not going to be like, it might not even make an album or a live or something, but just getting that process down and Frankenstein some verse together. But this one just, just hit. So there's no, and it's just different. 
And uh, yeah, there's never going to be a, a, a template for what we sound like. And there's never going to be um, a direction. It's just going to be what we get in the studio. Like JP wrote a riff. The bass player just came in with a cool bass riff for one song. And, uh, you know, like it's just never just straight like we needed this song because i know like a lot of bands will do that like we need a, a quick grind song i think we did that one time like we need one more quick song i think we wrote a song in a day which it's on an album but it's not like a favorite thing but yeah like it'll never be that it's a i've heard us described as a punk rock death a death metal band with a punk rock aesthetic and i think i might have coined that we're the faith no more of death metal not of death metal but we're the faith no more where it's like each song is going to sound different like i've been yeah. to show Death metal shows were like five songs into a certain band. You're just like, all right, dudes, like I get it. But hopefully you'll never be like that way when you listen to us and go, that's it. I get it. These, I get what these guys are throwing at me because the next song's not going to be that way. It's going to be a two minute fucking burner. And then the next one's going to be a slow, more slower paced one. And, you know, like this one is, you know, like it's just always, hopefully we're throwing curveballs at you. And yes, I do, yeah. like, I do like the term extreme metal band more so than death metal band uh killjoy from necrophagia his daughter recently found us on instagram and sent a very a very cool message like hey you guys are great and i'm like wow that's really cool fucking killjoy's daughter supposed oh. to watch really cool shit on a line with like old uh pictures and from her dad and like stuff and uh she sent a really like very nice message it was very touching about him because i knew i knew i knew him tangentially i met him a couple times super nice dude and uh, she said that, like, she liked the same thing. And she said that her dad hated being called a death metal band because that's not what he wanted to be. He wanted to be, like, extreme and horror. And, like, he always felt pigeonholed by death metal because that's never what he wanted to do. So I thought that was very cool. A, I've heard to say the nice things. And B, like, I like that idea of that's, you know, it's a much more accurate term than a death metal band because you expect one thing and you get another. When you listen to us, hopefully. And by album covers and stuff like that, I think you could get to, it's a little something different, you know, it's not your typical. And that's one of the reasons why there's no, it, it, like the second album is like the Bruce McCounter is a, a girl murdering a guy. And the girl is like the symbol of, a, it's on there. A, because who doesn't like a beautiful woman? But there's enough death metal albums with girls being gutted and stuff. And I'm not saying we're the most, we're going to be taking a feminist stance, but it's just, I have no interest in seeing that anymore in a death metal album. It just doesn't interest me. It's much more cool for me to see a, a girl destroying a dude on a cover than a, the other way around. Yeah, going going in a different direction, I think is is definitely, I mean, if, if, we're, if we're going to write songs where people are getting murdered, like why not mix it up a little bit? So yeah. I think it helps keep that fun element of your music that you were talking about, like the, uh, in a way, not taking itself so seriously by throwing a bunch of curveballs and having a bunch of uh, variety on there rather than just like beating you over the head with like, this is our sound, <laughs> you know? So yeah, like, I, I, I think that helps keep the spirit alive. And uh, I would like to see you guys live. I bet, I bet it's a fucking great time. Yeah, we definitely, I think, I think when people say the punk rock thing, I think that's where they get it from is that the live experience is a lot more, of just a wild, uh, uh, you know, a, not your typical, just kind of four dudes standing there playing. Some of the other, I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do while you play a bass and a and a guitar. There's only so much rocking out you can do. True. So I to keep that energy up and around. And I'm usually running around and diving to the crowd and 
there's something tall, I jump off of it. And if there's, I don't know, I like to get out in there and sneak around to the people when they're, when I'm playing and shit like that. And awesome, man. It sounds like it. The record sounds like you would do that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there's been a couple of mishaps where like there was a show where I, in my brain and my thinking, my body was uh, more of a temple than it really is. I, well, I don't think it's a temple being stronger than I am. I, I, in my brain, thought I could entirely jump over the drum kit during a song. I was wrong. Nice. <laughs> so I took out like half the stands and the cymbals, and Joe was just playing double bass and a snare or something for like half the song. Sweet. It's fourth, though. At least he kept going. Yeah, I thought I could get it. I thought I could clear it. And then uh, one time I tried to jump over Steve, the guitar player, off a piano, and I gave him a kick to the guitar and detuned his guitar and... Uh, he got really upset. We had a big fight about that at the show, which I was wrong for. But uh, there's always a, something like, like there's a, you know, try to keep it interesting. <laughs> Man, get real close, get the hair intertwined in someone's uh, guitar or something like that. But that's not on purpose. But yeah, there's I always a chance. I think if you bring that energy and capture it in a live stream or digital environment and stream it to the world, I think that would be good for you guys. I think you should, I think you should work on that. Yeah. This is my request. I'm being selfish. <laughs> I know that there is some archival footage that a, a, a friend, uh, uh, the bass player's brother-in-law, has a lot of our shit on his phone or hard drive. And he made a video for us. If you look up uh, the ones that walk away on YouTube, he made a video that is pretty close to how you would think. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I would recommend it. it I'll check it out. Yeah. It captures the live feel pretty well and hopefully would whet your taste because we always have a couple crew, like some of our other bands that we play a lot with, our, our friends uh, Triple Cripple. They are a Czech bunch of dudes who are the best dudes in the world. And uh, they like to party. They literally will be, they really want to play earlier just so they could party harder. And they don't, they still want to play well and good and, and kill it. And they're perfectionists musically, but they want to get their drink started as early as possible. So they're like, closing every show because they're fucking awesome. But they're like, no, no, we, we'll go on second. So they could party and then once we usually play and if they're in the crowd then if you're gonna i'm usually getting flipped in the air and picked up by the dudes and they're throwing me around and i never break i always keep singing but uh like david that's the thing like uh if you want to think of a front man like david yow of the jesus lizard is like a hero for me and that's a dude that if you go to see the jesus lizard within the first 30 seconds of the first song he is halfway to the back of the venue being crowd surfed still singing the whole time so there's, it's something like that that I like to, yeah. The energy is, is like that is what I like to have in the front man. So I've been bloodied a few times. I've been battered. <laughs> there's been some wrestling. There's been some some hijinks that uh, we definitely uh, pull off. How eager are you to start playing again, man, when you can? Oh, man, it would be nice. It's like at this point, I just kind of have to realize it's not happening for a while. We've Like we said, there's been thoughts of, little doing some drive-in things or something like that but man it's just just makes me wish i could like remember those other shows better like it makes me wish i like all those times you get nervous before a show or something like that and you're whatever it's just like man like i wish i had i mean luckily our last show was great today's the day the obsessed us and our uh it was a great show at our normal place the meat locker and uh that was the last one it was february 29th and uh we still have a good memory of a great last show you know and luckily, oh, yeah. we've, we've never really had a stinker. I've had some other bands that had some stinkers. We've never had that shit show. Besides, we played a festival in uh, 
Steve broke a string and uh, that was tough to sit there and watch a guy fix his guitar. (laughs) That gives you time to bond with the crowd though. It was tough because it was the third day of our tour. We had driven to New Jersey, Vermont, back again, and then we were up in Vermont for this festival, and we get, we were playing like third. It was daytime. It was in a church. It was a really cool place, but tired and hungover, and I get really car sick. I was fucking miserable. I wasn't even like I didn't even have a good buzz on, so I could feel real loose. So God only knows the dumb shit that came out of my mouth while I'm waiting for my buddy to retune. <laughs> I was like, God. I was like, we did, I need like a good two minutes of stand-up or something to fill in the gap. But Start writing material and just keep it in the time. pipe. It's yeah. funny because all the guys in the band are like, usually you don't shut the fuck up in between songs and they got to start the song because I'm yakking away about something or making dumb jokes or something like that. And they're like, the one time you were fucking quiet? I'm like, sorry, guys. <laughs> Can't plan it, man. Yeah, you cannot. But. Well, what's, uh, speaking of speaking of getting the buzz on, last time we talked about you guys having the, uh, the Rushing Duck yearly Chain to the Dead special brew put out. Do you know if that's going to happen this year or not? I mean, they're going strong. Not going strong, but Russian Duck stayed open. They're up in upstate New York, and uh, they have like an, uh, they have, they're on a farm, so they have enough room to make a big outdoor area, which they just opened a few weeks ago. I know they had to like furlough all their bartenders, but they were uh, they were any tips, but they were they were coming in from everyone. They were given to the people that were unemployed, so they were they're they're good people. Um, I'm sure they'll make it because it seems like their production hasn't really slowed down. But uh, hopefully the the thing is the the show that we do, which is the fun part of the beer, is uh that's uh, in question that we haven't really discussed that quite yet. I mean they do have a lot of room and like I said, it's on a big farm, but once again, if they want to take that responsibility and have a bunch of people running around, then that's on gonna be a different thing to see. But the beer will be made. I'll send you guys a, bo- a can when it comes out. Oh yeah. That'd be awesome, man. Get a nice round box exploded with a yeah <laughs> dripping out of it. Yeah, that'd be great, man. <laughs> If the vinyl can make it through the mail safely, I think a, a, a can of beer can too. That's true. Let's hope so. Yeah, we hope that's gonna happen again. Well, my dude, what are your what are your uh, mystical predictions for the future in the state in the state of the world? Are we fucked, Rocco? What 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 are your what does your crystal ball say? I just think it's gonna be like what I was saying before. It's gonna be a while. Things are gonna, take, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm not much for predictions. I'm a day by day, you know, like I, I'm very happy with my life. It's unfortunate. There's a lot of uh, things that are not good going on. But in the four walls of uh, my apartment with my wife and my cats, um, I'm I'm pretty fucking happy. <laughs> yeah, so. Are you using this time to be creative or, you know, tune up your any music? Yeah, I mean, we, st- we started practicing again, so that's always a good thing. Once a week, we get to do that. And, uh, you know, I still like to paint and stuff like that. And uh, we have, like, projects. So we have a lot of ha- – I do a lot of uh, merch for the band that includes, like, figures and stuff like that, like uh, like little action figures and stuff that I'll do that are, like, chains of the exclusive things. And, oh, uh, shit. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we do. I, I do, like, some stuff like that. So uh, I got a bunch of those that I'm, I got brewing. We got a really cool uh, – society jar of uh, shunting ooze that is uh, available i haven't put any of those online for people to buy it's usually a show thing but uh i don't know that's still there but i just started the process of uh looking for a house to purchase which is a terrifying thing to do yeah, i can only imagine 
Yeah, so that's the new thing that we just started. So that'll be uh, taking up some time. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking stuff. I, uh, there's a uh, zine called a, uh, holy shit, I forgot the name of it. Frozen Screams. It's a guy who yeah. flash dancing. I, uh, he reviewed our, our album in the first issue. And uh, I wrote an article for them for the second issue. Oh, cool. That I've been on. Uh, I just finished. I just sent it to the dude. He wanted a, the correlation between horror and the songs that we have. He wanted me to do like a little thing about that. So I just wrote that and kind of got the writing bug. So maybe I'll try to do some other stuff in that re- that reign, that realm. Keep us updated, man. Yeah, I want to check that out for sure. Yeah, I think he said the next one will be out by the end of July. So like, he's, awesome. he's got a cool thing going over there. And uh, yeah, been watching movies and stuff like that. You know, the normal thing that everyone's doing. Sure. Good to hear. It, man. Um, well, thinking about my favorite Black Sabbath album, which I, yeah. I, I, I you know, it's coming. Shit's yeah, better. It's coming. I was gonna say, we, we, we appreciate, we appreciate you taking time out of your your schedule to to talk yeah. to us again. And I can see the little recording light going up there, so I know that we're not gonna lose this motherfucker. Yeah, we're good. We're good. But we're double posterity's it. sake. You know that we've got to ask you before we let you go. Think hard. What's your favorite Black Sabbath record? Okay. Um, now, we talked about Dehumanizer. And that, that is my, that one came out as a, that was the first one that came out that I could buy in the store. So, like, I remember buying that one. So, that's going to be, like, the personal favorite. Um, but I think I'm going to go volume four. So, I'm going to say what I think is the one I revisit the most or... Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think I gotta go with that one. Um, what is it about volume four that speaks to you so highly above the rest? Fuck, man. I mean, just Super Not Alone is just like, I don't know, I fucking love that song. Like, that's just the coolest fucking riff. And, uh, it is. Especially the, there's like the live version of it that I heard once, but just like that weird fucking breakdown y thing in the middle with the fucking, I don't even know what the fuck those are, maracas or some shit. Yeah. I don't even know, man. But like, I that think... they're all great. Obviously, it's such a it's such a multifaceted album. I think oh, that was their first one that was really just kind of all over the place stylistically, but it still all felt very unified as opposed to like, you know, there's stuff to like about Technical Ecstasy. There's stuff to like about Never Say Die. But on the whole, those records are, are weaker compared to specifically the first four, the four first six, if you want to say that. But I, I think that a lot of the range that they were working on later in the seventies towards, towards the end of Ozzy's first tenure with the band, like the best of that, I think that we see on volume four. My, it's not my favorite black Sabbath record, but my favorite black Sabbath song is on there. Um, and that's under the sun every day comes and goes that, that I think is their strongest closer. Um, fucking amazing song. And there's so many bands that have covered it that have done such a great job with it too. Yeah, I think I think Lord of This World might be my favorite Sabbath song or so I know that's Master Reality. Yeah. Um I think that might be my favorite. Especially the there's a brutal truth version of it that's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Brutal Truth doing doing Sa- I was talking about Brutal Truth earlier in the show actually. Oh, Them yeah. doing Sabbath covers is always always fun. I was just going to throw in my two cents about volume four. I always kind of heard it as a 
as their like stepping stone record from their doomy heavy sound from vault from master of reality to the more progressive expanded kind of weirdness of sabbath bloody sabbath and sabotage like volume four is kind of perfectly yeah. a perfect balance of those things so it's cool for that reason and uh knowing they were on just an insane amount of coke during that whole time makes it cooler as well i mean let's be honest yeah snow blind right I mean, yeah yeah I mean, there's a really, I love that. There's a live album that came out too that has like an 18 minute version of Wicked World on there that I know is a, I'm a big fan of that. But fucking, yeah, man. It's just such a, just such a cool band that, you know, you could just. They're the coolest, yeah. Yeah, they're really hard to touch. A band that I never saw live, unfortunately. That was a big mistake of mine, but pushing out yeah, a couple shows I could have went to. But yeah, what are you going to do? With the original lineup or the uh, Dio lineup? I mean, Dio played Heaven and Hell, right? I mean, I count that as Sabbath, that last Dio yeah. album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played in Atlantic City, which isn't too far from me. But, like, all the original Ozfest were right in Giant Stadium. That's true. Yeah. House growing up, and I just, I just, I was just not, I had my own shit going on at that point. I was, like, not, it wasn't something I was going to do, but I kind of shit the bet on that one, unfortunately. So. What are you gonna do? Can't go what see you do, man. At least you got the records to listen to, though. That's what matters. Yeah, yeah I still I actually have every cassette from the original because they were like a, a band that I, you know, was like, yeah. Today. So I still have all the old cassettes of those too, which I, I do like having. Absolutely. Do well, you dude, cassette, I love. I listen to it. Yes, all. we the, the resurgence of cassettes is something that we definitely enjoy. Yeah. That is, that is one thing that might be on the horizon for us is a, uh, discussed as a cassette of the first album that I'm going to add samples to because I kind of didn't want to overload it with samples when we first did it. So we were thinking about doing a reissue of the first album on cassette with maybe adding a couple of samples and maybe like some eerie kind of keyboard interludes or something weird in between the songs just to make it something new to listen to. And just uh, that album is only available on vinyl. It's not even on Spotify anymore because it got kicked off Spotify. And nice. So, yeah, so we were thinking about doing something like that. Like you said, just to do something like yeah. we, we had some artwork for shirts that were all ready to go, but it's like, you're going to do this shirt. No one's going out. So, who the fuck, you know, like, I mean, I guess it's not the same as like something that someone could listen to and have tangibly in their hands. So, yeah, we were thinking about doing that as a, a thing. Just because they buy it right here for sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, we should like, cover a Sabbath song and put it on there as a bonus track. <laughs> um, I will say uh, the drummer, uh, Joe, in my band, uh, is a massive Sabbath fan and does have multiple Black Sabbath tattoo, including a born again baby on his arm. Nice. Huge. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he's a fucking Oh, he's fucking the he'll tough kid. He's uh he's got the, the knowledge that I don't even have to talk about some of that shit. But yeah, he's got a few, but he definitely has a born again baby on there, which is uh, you know. It's good to know. We need to talk to that guy. Sure. Yeah, for sure. We'll get everybody on next time. Have a group chat. Don't shit on Ian Gillian Black Sabbath. That shit's fucking. Never. Never once. (laughs) Dude, thank you. Fuck fuck people who say that's a dumb album cover. That album cover's fucking awesome. It's a fucking different baby, man. Just get over it. (laughs) Yeah, rocks. (laughs) Well, dude, we totally appreciate you doing this again, man. This was fucking awesome. You're awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thanks. I hope. uh, if it was as good as the, the first. Was. I think it was better. It felt I good. think it was better. Yeah. And they'll never know anyway. So far, so it's, yeah. it's all good, man. They won't know that I uh, had diarrhea and puked, uh, had a nerves during the first one. Don't tell them about how that happens. Yeah, we'll let them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we'll let the alien interference go. <laughs> Do what you're doing, man. You kicking ass. Hope to yeah, talk. Enjoy, enjoy your, uh, enjoy the house hunting. Enjoy the marriage. Enjoy uh, working on some new chain to the dead jams for us because we certainly can't wait to hear them. Absolutely. Wish you the best, man. We hope to talk to you again soon. You guys, anything you guys ever need, just let me know, and uh, we'll be down to help you out. We Stay will. You, my man. All right, take care, guys. Take care. Yeah. All right, sure. That was good. It was, man. Always a good time. Rocco's definitely a good dude. For sure. Uh, definitely going to talk to that dude again in the future. Stay safe up there in uh, COVID wasteland of Pennsylvania. You I'm going to fucking south, just... Man, you're down south. You're in the... You're in the I'm down here in the fucking plague lands, man. I know you're good, though. Keep lifting. Keep doing it. Keep getting new tattoos. Keep cutting off For sure. Going to do it. Fine, man. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Best to us both, and we will do this again soon. My man, later. Take it easy, my dude. Thank you.